It's time for a bedtime story. Today's magical Christmas story is Harris the Hedgehog and the Christmas Day Run by A.V. Turner. When David asks his running friend Harris to do the big race of the year on Christmas Day, the little hedgehog is filled with excitement. But will training go smoothly? And how will his family and woodland friends cope with the threat of a cold and snowy winter? Join Harris the Hedgehog and his human friend David on another running adventure where bravery and determination test them to their limits. Harris the Hedgehog and the Christmas Day Run Chapter 1 It is most certainly true, as the famous old saying goes, all good things come in little packages, and Harris's family were no exception. The year after his first park run, at the end of July, Harris and Harriet became the siblings to twins, Hermione and Headley. Their mother and father were very proud parents and happy that their family was now complete. Seeing his wife sitting by the fire, surrounded by her four children, warmed Spike's heart and he beamed with pride. There was Harris, his eldest son, growing into a fine young man and passionate about his sport. His daughter Harriet, only a year younger, who loved flowers, dancing and all the things pretty. Now here were the babies, a final addition to the family, lying in their mother's arms, sleeping peacefully. It was almost the beginning of September and Harris reminded his dad that it was exactly a year since he had started running. Ah, oh, yes indeed, exclaimed Spike excitedly. This time last year you did your very first race. My, how the time flies. Do those running shoes still fit you, my boy? Actually, Dad, they are getting a little bit tight and also rather worn. Harris showed his father the soles of his red running shoes and pulled a face. Sorry, he added. Harris knew that his parents now had extra mouths to feed and winter was fast approaching. Don't worry, lad, his dad reassured him. It has been a bountiful summer and I know where the apples are plentiful to supply Mrs Mouse's delicious pies. He gave Harris a reassuring wink, picking his teeth with one of his spines. Gross, thought Harris, but he never said anything. Spike always said that parents were duty-bound to be an embarrassment to their children. It wasn't long, of course, before the entire family were heading off to Mont the Mishi's shop one evening, laden with ripe fruit. Morning, Mr H. Morning, Mrs H, smiled Mont the Mish as they entered the store. He had clearly been doing some washing up for his wife out back and the smell that swirled around their noses proved that the good lady was indeed baking buttery sweet fruit pies. Mont the Mish wiped his paws on a yellow striped tea towel and smiled broadly at them. Now then, what can I do for you? Spike and his wife smiled back and took out four large green and red apples. They gleamed in the dim light of the shop, the rosy skin glowed, and Mr Montgomery, Mouse, seemed impressed. My, my, he whispered, rubbing his chin. Fine-looking specimens, those. Young Harris here needs new running shoes. We were so impressed with the last pair you sold us. Are you able to oblige again? asked Mrs Hedgehog. 
Mont the Miche thought for a moment and tapped the counter with his paw. Hmm, yes I can, but they will have to be especially made by myself. May have to wait, say, a week? I can take some measurements today, talk about colours. The apples, though. Is there a problem? asked Spike. The thing is, whispered Mr Mouse, leaning over the counter, looking left and right, there's more cause for blackberry pies this year, if you know what I mean. Although these are very fine apples you have, a good pair of running shoes, handmade, he made a sucking noise with his teeth and wobbled his head from side to side. Five good-sized blackberries and one apple, that's my final offer. Spike took a deep breath and sighed heavily. Four blackberries by tonight and two apples you can keep now as a deposit, he replied. Done, said Montlemiche, and the two of them shook paws. Walking home, Spike and his wife agreed that Mr Montgomery Mouse drove a hard bargain, but the quality of his shoes would be worth it. The two babies were sound asleep in the pram upon their return home, so their mother left them there in the corner of the kitchen. She busied herself preparing the evening meal, glancing over from time to time, checking on her youngest children and giving their pram a reassuring rock. She would speak in a soft, low voice and plant feather-like kisses on their little noses. Hermione sighed softly. Harris came into the kitchen then to see his mother. I'm going out for a run with David, Mum. Is that OK? he asked. Yes, darling, but could you bring some blackberries back, please? Oh, and a couple of worms if you can carry them. OK, do my best, he replied. Glancing down at his old running shoes, he secretly hoped it wouldn't be too long before Mr Montgomery Mouse had his new ones ready. Outside in the cool evening air, Harris sat on the bench by the lake, waiting for David to arrive. Swinging his legs to and fro, his little nose twitched. There was a smell of autumn for sure, when the leaves turned golden brown and crunched beneath his feet. It would soon be winter and time to hibernate. Hi, Harris, shouted David as he ran towards his friend. Hi, David, he replied excitedly. So where do you fancy running tonight, asked the elder. Don't mind, really, said Harris, still swinging his legs. But Mum asked me to bring some blackberries back and a couple of worms. Dad's playing bowls with Mont the Miche tonight. That's OK. I've got a bag here in my running belt. We can collect some food on the way round and I'll drop it off at your house when we've finished. You sure you don't mind? asked the little hog. Not at all, replied David. Winter will be on us in no time and food for you guys will be hard to come by. Thanks, beamed Harris. David smiled down at him and off they went, two unlikely friends who shared not only a love of their sport but also a strong bond and affection for each other. That particular evening they enjoyed their long run of the week and covered some four or five miles. Harris pointed to the juiciest blackberries out of his reach but his friend could pick them easily. The little hog collected three worms, a millipede, two caterpillars and an earwig. His mum would be so very pleased with him he thought. I've been meaning to talk to you about something, said David as he ran towards home. What's that? asked Harris, feeling his running shoes pinch his little toes. Well, the group are meeting up for a Christmas Day run this year. Just wondered if you fancied joining us. I know it's hibernation time for you guys, but it would be a shame for you to miss it. I'd love to. Can I talk to my dad about it first? Yes, of course, replied David. Let me know next week. No rush. With that, he set down the bag of fruit and insects at the door of the house. Mrs Hedgehog was watching through the kitchen window and waved to her son's friend, mindful that the twins would be asleep. David waved back and crept away quietly, returning home to his own family. Once home, Harris quickly removed his shoes, had a wash and went through to the kitchen where his mother and father sat at the table. The twins were now tucked up in their cots, sound asleep, and Harriet was brushing her spines, placing little pink and blue bows around her soft brown ears. Looking great, sis, he whispered as he walked past her. 
Right back at you, bro. Good run? Yeah, great, he replied. Got some good stuff out the front too. Could you help me in with it? Harriet sighed. She had literally just done her hair and was about to apply a first coat of Beetlejuice to her claws. Okay, she rolled her eyes but went to help her brother anyway. Wow, Harish, she exclaimed at the sight of all the fruit and insects. Where did you get all this? Lakeside, he replied with a casual shrug. David helped me carry it back. Awesome. Her eyes gleamed in the moonlight. Mum and Dad are going to be well made up with this lot. The little hog smiled to himself and between them they carried it into the kitchen. Spike and his wife were indeed very happy with the food and praised their son. He felt pleased with himself. It was then time to ask them about the Christmas Day run. Harris approached the subject with caution as he knew well that it was hibernation time for them then. He sat at the kitchen table and explained, watching his parents' reaction all the time. Spike frowned and huffed. Well, said his dad, after some thought, and taking a gulp of worm juice. Word is that we're in for a bad winter this year. Snow, ice and hard ground, which means food will be scarce and we have two extra mouths to feed. His mother remained silent and Harris was concerned that the answer would be no. But, said his mother suddenly, we know how much this would mean to you and we are paying for a nice new pair of running shoes. Could we not delay our hibernation, Spike, if food was plentiful? Her husband nodded. Well, yes, we could, but, but where would we get it from? I could ask David for help, said Harris quietly. Spike rubbed his chin and shook his head. It's not right that we rely on the humans to sort us out. Not fair on them. I can provide for my own family, thank you very much. His wife placed her paw over Spike's and she gave him a knowing smile. It's okay to accept help from people sometimes, you know. Let David do it for us if he wants to, just this once. Harris looked at his father with pleading eyes. I'll think about it, was all he could say, and he frowned once more. I'll come and have a chat with your friend next week. Harris nodded dutifully at his dad and said no more. It was better to leave it with his mum to try and talk him round. They ate their evening meal in silence and then Spike left to go and play bowls with Mr Montgomery Mouse. It almost certainly would end with a few glasses of worm juice and some snacks so they did not wait up for him. Spike put the blackberries in a rhubarb leaf to secure the payment for his son's new shoes and waved goodbye. I hope he says yes mum, Harris whispered quietly. Leave it with me, she replied. Chapter 2 The following week, Harris and Spike went to meet David. It was a beautifully cool evening and the nights were fast drawing in. It was already dusk and a fine mist covered the lake like delicate white lace. Sitting on the park bench together, they discussed not only the run, but the whole aspect of a thing called Christmas. Now, because Harris and his family were all hedgehogs, and like most woodland animals were in their winter sleep whilst it was celebrated, they had absolutely no idea what it was all about. David explained what a wondrous time of year it was. The celebration of Jesus' birth, the giving and receiving of gifts, the light, Santa Claus, singing carols, the beauty of a well-adorned Christmas tree and a wonderful feast on Christmas Day. It is a magical time of year for humans, he said. Young and old, it could be for them too. He went on to say he had a plan and want to keep them and their family and friends in food until the day after Christmas so they could experience the magic of the festive season as well. Harris and Spike sat and listened in wonder. It did indeed sound wonderful, and it also meant that the young hog could take part in the Christmas Day run. All his old human running friends would be there, and some of them even wore Santa hats and outfits. 
Tell me more about this Santa bloke, asked Spike, who was fast coming around to the idea that this sounded like something he didn't want his family and friends to miss out on, even if it was just this once. If it was as good as David made out, they might have to break with tradition and delay their hibernation very slightly every December. For the next hour, David explained about who Santa was and the true meaning of Christmas to them, about how Jesus was born on Christmas Day in a stable far away in Bethlehem to Joseph and Mary, and that he was the son of God. Wow, this is awesome, said Harris, and his father agreed. So I can supply you with enough food. Harris here can do the run. Your family and friends can celebrate the festive season in style. And the following day, you can hibernate. How does that sound? asked David. Well, if you're sure you don't mind, added Spike, we'd be very grateful, but... He faltered slightly. What can we do to thank you? Doesn't seem fair that we can't return the favour. David smiled and shook his head. Nothing, really. Let it be my Christmas gift to you. Spike smiled. Thank you, David, he said, and shook the man's hand. It seemed that humans weren't that bad after all. Some nights later, Spike called a meeting with the other woodland animals that lived in the park and told them exactly, word for word, what David had said. Mont the Meech was there with his wife, Uncle Knuckles and Uncle Prickles, the wise old owl, Mr and Mrs Fox and their cubs, Frederick and Fionn, some of the birds that had not already migrated, and Miss Robin. Vernon Vole was in attendance, Barry the Badger, Trevor Toad and his sister Tamara, Franklin Ferret, minus the tap shoes, and Ralph Rat. Such a good turnout at their village hall had not been seen for many a year. Spike stood at the front and addressed the crowd with excitement and confidence. Now, he exclaimed, clapping his paws together. Any questions? Can I bring my girlfriend? asked Uncle Prickles, slightly embarrassed. Of course, said his brother. Is this chap trustworthy? asked Ralph Rat, looking decidedly shifty himself, his eyes darting from left to right. Absolutely, confirmed Spike. Young Harris here has been a friend to this human for about five seasons now. Apparently his job is something to do with, um... He quickly asked his wife, who whispered the answer in his ear. Conversation. Conservation, dear, she added. Ah, oh, yes, that, he added. A positive murmur echoed around the room and the animals nodded to each other. Now, I think you would all agree that this sounds rather exciting, given the fact that this winter threatens to be a hard one and the human David has given his word that he will help us and we can celebrate this thing called Christmas. I think it is an opportunity not to be missed. Obviously, if anyone would rather not participate, then please speak now. Sounds like an excellent idea to me, shouted Franklin Ferret. He was standing at the back of the room, sporting a bow tie and a dark green jacket. He was a very smart fellow who got excited very easily and snorted when he laughed. His eyes lit up and he grinned, showing a row of sharp white teeth. So, are we all in? asked Spike. Thankfully, everyone nodded and no one declined. This, they all agreed, was going to be a very special Christmas indeed. True to his word, as Mr Montgomery Mouse always was, a new pair of running shoes were delivered by hand to the Hedgehog household, only days later. Harris had decided to go for the same colour again. He liked red, and it seemed fitting somehow, as David explained that it was a very Christmassy colour. Mont the Miche made sure that the fitting was correct, and once on the young hog's feet, black laces tied, Mr Mouse ran his paws over the fabric, checking that there was enough room for Harris's toes. A perfect fit if I do say so myself, he exclaimed proudly after some moments. What do you say? prompted Mrs Hedgehog. 
Thank you, Mr Montgomery Mouse. Thank you very much for my shoes, said Harris excitedly. You're very welcome, young man. May you have many happy runs in those shoes. Mrs Hedgehog escorted him out, chatting and thanking him again. Mum, can I go foraging now? I promise not to get my new shoes dirty, Harris asked. His little brown eyes gleamed in the dim light and his wet nose twitched in anticipation. Are you meeting David? she asked. The young hog nodded. He can reach the best blackberries. Go on then, she smiled, but don't be late back. Before she could finish her sentence, he was out of the door and down the path that led to their house where his friend sat waiting for him. Chapter 3 Over the coming weeks, the two of them met regularly and often on a Saturday morning for the park run. Summer turned into autumn and the want green leaves that swayed happily in the trees turned brown and golden, falling silently onto the ground, making a colourful carpet. David said how much he loved this season, above the others. It was the smell of bonfires, the, the chilly misty mornings and the beauty of the park in all its colours of brown, red and yellow. It was the end of the blackberries now and apples were few and far between. Insects were still plentiful though and David had very kindly brought some mealworms along for his woodland friends. One October evening, beneath the light of the moon, Harry spotted something that he liked the look of. It was a solitary apple, not too far from the ground. David was a little way behind him. If he climbed on top of the toadstool under the tree, he could just about reach it. Carefully, he clambered onto it, steadying himself before he reached up to pick the apple from its branch. Before he could even think about what was happening, he lost his balance and landed, bang, on the ground. Ouch, he cried, my leg! He could hear his friend running over, calling to him, Goodness me, Harris, are you OK? The little hog was lying on his back, still clutching the apple. Brown leaves stuck to almost every spine. I fell off that toadstool, but I got the apple I was after. David helped his friend to his feet, but he could see almost immediately that something was wrong. My leg really hurts, he whispered, and small tears welled up in his brown eyes. I would have got the apple for you, David said. You should have waited for me. Harris nodded. It was too late now. The damage had been done. Are you annoyed with me? asked the hog. No, my friend, never. Come on, I'll carry you home. Is there any way of letting your parents know we are on our way back? It's late and they will be getting worried. Harris said that either Miss Robin or the wise old owl would send word if they were around. They both stopped and listened. Faintly, in the distance, they could hear the wise old owl hooting. With his keen hearing, any cries for help from the little hog would easily be heard. Wise old owl, wise old owl, he shouted, I need your help. Nothing, all was quiet. Do you need some help, came a voice from behind him, which startled the pair. Goodness, Miss Robin, you made us jump, exclaimed Harris. He explained what had happened and asked her very politely if she would send word to his parents that they were on their way home. Of course, she replied. Her voice was very soft and quiet. Harris loved to hear her speak. It was one of those voices which could lull you gently to sleep in no time, soft and soothing. I'll be back directly, she added as she flew off to, in the direction of home. David carried his friend gently in his arms all the way back, trying to give words of encouragement along the way. But as he glanced down at Harris's leg, he knew that it was not good news. It had now swollen to twice its size and David thought it a good idea to remove his running shoe. The little hog winced in pain as it was taken from his foot. Sorry, my friend, is it very painful? Harris nodded and once again tears formed in his eyes. 
not only because of the discomfort, but also because deep down he knew he would not be able to run for a while, or at worst, ever again. This made him so sad, and he let the tears fall freely down his furry cheek and onto David's hand. He realised as he looked up that some of the tears were David's too. Miss Robin was true to her word, and once again she had delivered her message. She appeared in the distance, flying fast and low. She caught up with the two of them and flew at their side until they reached home. Thank you, Miss Robin, whispered Harris. By now his ankle had begun to swell and the pain was bad. At the side of the path stood Spike, his wife and Mrs Mouse. David set Harris gently down and his father carried him inside, but not before thanking David many times for bringing him home safely. I will come again in two nights from now to see how he's doing, said David. Harris's mother reassured him that someone would be in that very spot to deliver the news, good or bad. Once inside, Spike helped his son lay down on the long chair before the fire. Harris was still clutching the apple that had possibly cost him his running career and a few leaves were still stuck to his spines. Very little was said. Spike and his wife cleaned him up, brought him a drink and then allowed Mrs Mouse to examine the patient. You can let go of that apple now, young man, she whispered kindly. Now then... Let's have a look at this ankle. Mrs Mouse made a lot of sounds. Mmm, ooh, ah, she murmured as she examined his leg. She was very gentle and only laid her little paws on his foot with a feather-like touch. Spike, his wife and Harriet were close by, eagerly awaiting her diagnosis. After some moments she stood up and spoke. Well, there is good news and bad news. Which would you like first? The three of them looked at each other. We'd better go for the bad first, replied his mother. Well, Harish, you may have to simply watch the Christmas Day run this year. You won't be running on that foot for a while. Everyone in the room gasped. Is it broken? asked Spike quietly. Thankfully, no. A bad sprain. I can bring some cooling mint leaves over tomorrow, and if we have a frost in the next few weeks, be sure to put some ice on it if you can. The most important thing is rest. Keep the leg propped up on a stool and rest, rest, rest. The room fell silent again. Harris looked down at his swollen leg and frowned. This was quite possibly the worst night of his life. Chapter 4 Over the next few days he said very little, refusing the food that his mother had prepared for him and stared into the fire. Tears were never far away and occasionally he would glance over at his running shoes which were placed neatly in the corner. Spike came in from foraging one early November evening and sat by his son. It was time for one of their little chats. How's the leg feeling? he inquired. Same, came his reply, continuing to stare into the fire. He sniffed and wiped away a tear with the back of his paw. Spike sighed. Can I have a look? Harris nodded and pulled back the blanket that covered his injury. Ooh, actually, I think that's looking quite a bit better, Spike exclaimed. Is it? asked Harris in amazement. Definitely. This swelling has gone down a treat. You're not just saying that to make me feel better, are you, Dad? asked Harris, narrowing his eyes suspiciously. No, actually, I'm not. But here's the thing, young man. Spike poured himself a glass of worm juice and sat in his chair with a deep sigh. He stretched out his legs and wiggled his toes to get them warm. Life is like a long road ahead of you. Some of it will be smooth and easy to tread, but some of it will be hilly, with strong, howling winds and dark storms. It is a test of your strength, 
not only how you manage the good times, but how you weather the bad. This time in your life, my son, is one of those storms and you must be brave and face it with determination and a strong spirit. You can beat this injury and get back to how you were, running with David and enjoying your sport. Dig deep, son. I know you have it in you, that fighting spirit where nothing can stop you. Harris thought long and hard about what his father had said, but remained silent. After a while, he threw off the blanket and slowly but surely stood up. He felt so happy that his leg did indeed feel quite a bit better and his little heart leapt with joy. Maybe he could enter the Christmas Day run after all. Take it steady, darling, said his mother from her yoga mat. Don't overdo it, but it's certainly a step in the right direction. Harris hobbled over to the doorway of his bedroom and turned to look at his parents. His eyes shone in the dim light. You really are the best mum and dad anyone could ever wish for, he whispered. Did a good job with him, we did, winked Spike to his wife, who was already performing an impressive tree pose. We certainly did, she replied. Chapter 5 Over the following weeks, Harris tried walking a little bit every day. Slowly but surely, he was able to move around without any pain, and the swelling disappeared completely. He had all but forgotten about the nasty bruise which had lingered there, turning different shades of blue, purple and finally yellow, by the end of November, he was almost completely healed and already trying some short runs with David. Eager to be well enough to complete the Christmas Day run, he continued to rest his leg in between training and combined cycling with some swimming. David had mentioned that this was called hydrotherapy and was extremely good for recovery. It was, of course, too cold to swim in the lake at this time of the year, so Spike and Montmamiche had dug out a pool in the family shed lined it with some rhubarb leaves, supplied by David, and filled it with water. Harris's mother had lit a small fire next to the pool and it heated the water nicely. Harris loved swimming and it soothed his leg. Every evening he took a towel over to the shed and spent an hour swimming up and down on his front and on his back. Spike and his wife admired their eldest son's determination and loyalty to what he loved best. It was almost a, a foregone conclusion that he would indeed be well enough to run on Christmas Day. The first snow of the winter came quietly and unexpectedly one night in early December. Harris looked out of his bedroom window and sure enough, little snowflakes were settling silently on the ground, creating a sparkling white carpet. He thought how beautiful it looked, twinkling in the moonlight. This winter was going to be long and cold, he could tell. Sniffing the night air with his shiny brown nose, he knew it would be hard foraging tonight, but true to his word, the human David had been keeping them well supplied with food. Only two nights ago, he had brought fruit, mealworms and other delights for his woodland friends. Summer fruits too, like blackberries and something else which David called cat food. In times when either the weather was very hot or very cold, kind humans put down cat food for hedgehogs that lived in the town alongside a bowl of water. It was never recommended to give them milk, as of course hedgehogs are allergic to something called lactose and it would give them a very bad tummy ache. So, it was then that twice a week, David would arrive for his evening run carrying two bags full of food, enough to keep everyone more than happy. It was now the middle of December, the snow had thawed and then some days later returned again with a vengeance colder and heavier than before. Despite its beauty, it had a cruel streak 
and the animals in the park put on hats, coats and gloves to keep warm. Mrs Mouse had been so busy knitting these garments that she had neglected her pies slightly and Mr Franklin Ferret had complained. Mont the Miche politely explained that a nice warm hat, scarf and gloves would last him far longer than a blackberry pie. Harris's mother and sister helped out as best they could with the knitting, in between caring for the twins who were growing fast. It was now only two weeks until Christmas and David and Harris were out on a training run. I can see you are getting fitter, my friend, said David, as their feet crunched through the white path. Have you been doing plenty of swimming? Oh yes, replied Harris. I love swimming. In the summertime I can swim in the lake too. That's great. It's so good for cross-training. Did you know that when you swim, you use every muscle in your body? Really? asked Harris. I've often heard it said, replied David, and it puts no pressure on your joints either. A win-win then, smiled Harris. Race you to the next bench. The pair laughed and ran on through the park. Miss Robin appeared from time to time, keeping a close eye on her friends to ensure all was well. She had not forgotten that fateful night when Harris had met with his accident. The lake was completely frozen over, most probably an inch thick or more, she guessed. The wise old owl had confirmed that it was indeed safe enough for some of the animals to skate on, under supervision of course. With Christmas fast approaching, Harris, Harriet, Miss Robin and some of the rabbits joined Mr and Mrs Mouse and Franklin Ferret on the lake for an hour. They skated up and down in circles around each other, laughing and spinning until they were dizzy. The wise old owl watched from a nearby tree and close by were Spike and his wife with the twins. What a sight it was to see the children and their friends enjoying themselves, skimming over the ice under the moonlight. Even David had come to watch them. He knew he was very honoured to be accepted by this community and watched in wonder as his newfound friends laughed and played, moving effortlessly across the ice. It was, of course, very good exercise too, he thought. Afterwards, they all sat around a small fire and ate some of the food that David had brought for them. Can you tell us some more about Christmas? asked Harris. What is it like for your family? Well, it starts quite early in our house. At the beginning of December, we put up our Christmas tree. What's that? asked Mont the Miche, who was always interested in new things. David explained that it was traditionally a tree with lights on it and lots of pretty bright baubles and tinsel, and on Christmas Eve, all the presents went under it, ready for opening the following morning. Could we have one of those, Mum? asked Harris, and his sister squealed with delight at the idea, who loved all things pretty. I don't see why not, she replied. It sounds delightful. They continued to sit around and talk about the festive season until David had to go home. Don't forget, he said, as he waved goodbye. Only two weeks to go until the big day. Chapter 6 Mont the Miche was never one to let the grass grow under his feet and within days half of the woodland community had a Christmas tree in their home and presents under it. Thankful for the warmth, fireflies adorned each tree, emitting their beautiful light. The hedgehog family had all bought presents for each other and Mont the Miche had to be open 24 hours a day for the first time ever because they were so busy. Mrs Mouse said she couldn't cope with all the knitting, pie-making as well as everything else, so in their spare time, Harris and Harriet went to help. Harriet assisted in the making of pastry and cooking blackberries. She loved the smell of the cinnamon and sweet buttery pastry so much and Mrs Mouse let her eat a few blackberries in between. 
Harris was busy helping sell Christmas trees and delivering them to homes across the park. It was a little bit like weightlifting, he thought, all good for strengthening his muscles for running. So it was then that they all were set for Christmas and what a day it promised to be. Three days beforehand, David and Harris had a final training run. I've got a little something for you, said David, and from his pocket he produced a small red and white hat. He placed it gently on the little hog's head. Perfect, he smiled, but Harris looked puzzled. On Christmas Day, we are all going to be wearing Santa hats and outfits for the run. Do you remember me telling you about Father Christmas? Oh yes, of course, exclaimed Harris, and he laughed. It, it goes so nicely with my running shoes too. Red suits you, my friend, smiled David. Shall we run? Harris nodded and gave a broad grin, revealing some lovely white teeth. He looked so happy and excited. The two of them ran on, then under the stars. It was a beautiful clear evening, but bitterly cold, and their breath cut through the night air. They ran past the lake, under the trees, and down where the ice cream van used to be in the summer months. All the delivering of trees and swimming had certainly made him stronger, and his little legs had no trouble keeping up with his friend. They had run two laps of the park and David stopped just outside the entrance to Harris's house. Can't we do another few miles? asked Harris. David crouched down. No, this is called a taper run. A few days before you have a big race, it's a good idea to taper, then rest a couple of days. Harris looked puzzled for the second time that night. Think of it as just ticking over. You are still having a run, but you need to save yourself for the big one. Does that make sense? Harris thought for a moment and nodded. Yes, I think I know what you mean. When runners are training for half marathons and full marathons, they taper for a few weeks beforehand. They are still running, just not as far, saving themselves for the main race. I see. Yes, I understand now, replied Harris. Can I take my hat home, please? Of course you can. Don't forget to bring it on Christmas morning, laughed David. Oh, and rest now. Don't forget... Harris ran up and hugged David's leg. Thanks for everything, he whispered. He thought he saw a tear in his friend's eye, but it may just have been a trick of the light. Chapter 7 Happy Christmas, son! Harris opened his eyes to, his, to see his dad's face close to his. He grinned, showing an impressive row of teeth. Rubbing his eyes sleepily, he smiled back. Happy Christmas, Dad! Come on! Time to get up and have a good breakfast before the race, Spike announced excitedly and started running around the bedroom. Big day ahead! It occurred to Harris that it was far too early in the morning to be quite so excitable, but the family had broken with tradition and slept during the night. It was essential to be fresh and ready for the race. Breakfast consisted of a large pile of mealworms for protein, some water and a few pieces of cucumber. He felt satisfied but not overly full. A fresh covering of snow had appeared overnight, but when Harris looked out of his bedroom window, he was delighted to see that there was a bright blue sky and the sun was smiling over the park. It was surely cold, but a beautiful morning nevertheless. The whole family were wrapped up in hats and scarves and the twins snuggled together in a shawl, knitted by Mrs Mouse. Harris laced up his running shoes and placed the Santa hat carefully on his head. He was so excited to be able to run the Christmas Day race with David and all the other park runners, especially after the injury. Time to go, shouted Mrs Hedgehog and everyone piled out of the front door. What a delightful morning, Spike exclaimed as he took a deep breath in. Come along everyone. 
The start line was a hive of activity and a sight to behold. There were stalls selling hot chocolate and bacon rolls and everyone was dressed in red and white. Lots of cries of Happy Christmas were heard and everybody looked happy and smiled at each other. There was such a feeling of happiness and good cheer that it made Harris feel warm inside. David soon appeared, running over to his woodland friends. Happy Christmas, he smiled. So delightful to see all of you this morning. It was true that the majority of the woodland community had turned out to watch the race and all of them were wearing something knitted by Mrs Mouse or Harris's mother. Even Miss Robin looked smart in a red scarf, which matched her red breast very well. Soon it was time to line up. The human called Margaret squealed with delight and ran over to the start line. Her Santa hat was flopping around on her head and her arms flailing. She was completely carried away with the Christmas spirit. Harris and David joined the others, waiting for the familiar whistle. Humans and woodland creatures stood together, watching and waiting, and Mrs Mouse was on hand again with the trike, pulling the hedgehog family along in the old pram. Suddenly, the whistle blew, and off they went. The path was mainly sandy stone, and with the snow covering was not slippery at all. David and Harris kept good pace together. The air was cold and crisp, and Harris felt his chest tighten. Breathing became a little hard, so he slowed down slightly so that his body could readjust to the weather. One mile in and breathing became easier. His legs warmed up and he started to enjoy it. He could hear all the other runners around him breathing hard and the snow crunching beneath their feet. Come on, little brother, shouted Harriet from the pram. Mrs Mouse was pedalling as fast as she could to keep up with the runners and her ears flapped in the wind. They rode over a rocky piece of pathway and all of them shouted, Oh! It certainly was a rough ride and Mrs Mouse was worried it might make the twins sick. They were now just over halfway and all was well. Harris was aware that he and David were passing quite a few of the other runners and very soon the way ahead was completely clear. Did this mean they were in the lead? Not wanting to lose their concentration, they carried on in silence, only looking behind them occasionally to see where the others were. David glanced down at his friend and Harris simply put up his thumb to indicate that all was well. He dare not speak for fear of breaking the spell. They passed a tree that had been the place of his accident not long ago. Both looked but did not utter a word. Their breath and footsteps were all that could be heard. David increased his pace slightly and Harris kept up. He felt a little bit tired now but was determined to finish in good time. Up ahead he could just see the finish line. It was no more than half a mile. Something deep down inside him, that bit where determination comes from, gave an almighty surge and he and David ran as fast as their legs could carry them. Mrs Mouse, the hedgehog family and the rest of the woodland animals were waiting and cheering loudly, waving banners. Harriet was screaming so loud that her mother was fearful she would lose her voice. Come on Harris, come on David, she shouted, her eyes nearly popping out of her head. As they approached the finish line, the squeals grew louder. The spectators jumped up and down and cheered. You've won, Spike shouted. You've only gone and won it. It was true. Harris was indeed the first runner over the finish line, with David a close second. When everyone had finished the race, there was so much excitement. The people congratulated the two of them, and David picked his partner up and placed him on his shoulder, whilst the crowd cheered and clapped. Harris was so proud and stared in wonder at the sea of smiling faces. Well done, my friend, whispered David. Well done to you too, replied Harris. The excitement of the morning was soon over and the crowd slowly melted away, back to their home to enjoy the rest of Christmas. 
Harris felt on top of the world, and as the family walked home with David, he seemed to be floating on air. They stopped at the entrance to the house, and David bent down, taking a large paper bag out of his rucksack. Happy Christmas, my friends, from my family to yours. Inside were six small presents wrapped neatly with brightly coloured bows around them. Harris thanked him and looked over to his mother. She came forward with a gift and placed it in David's hand. Her paw felt so soft on his skin, like velvet. He thanked them and hugged each one. This will be the last time we see you until the spring, Harris said quietly. Yes, indeed, replied David. Stay safe, all of you. I will still be running through the park in the next few months and will make sure all is well while you are hibernating. But today, enjoy your feast. With that, he was gone, a distant figure waving to them until he could see them no more. Chapter 8 Come on, son, time for dinner, Spite reassured Harris and placed his paw on the young hog's shoulder. Because there were so many of the woodland animals coming for Christmas dinner, Mrs Mouse came up with a very good idea and laid out a large table in the village hall. It was truly a sight to behold. A Christmas tree sat in one corner of the room, with tinsel and fireflies making it glitter and shine. The centre of the table was full of food, enough to feed them all, and each one of them had a small china plate. The rest of the day was spent eating and drinking, opening presents and talking excitedly about the race, and much laughter filled the room long into the night. A very tired but happy family returned to the house, just as dawn broke over the lake. Spike and his wife put the twins to bed, whilst Harris and Harriet brushed their spines and cleaned their teeth. Snuggled up in bed, Harris opened the last of his presents, a gift from David. As he peeled back the paper, he smiled in delight. It was his very own running vest, and on the front was his name, in red letters. Look, Harriet, that's the best Christmas present ever, he beamed. His sister agreed it was a very awesome gift. She was equally pleased with her own from David and his family, a pale blue bow which she placed carefully behind her right ear. Time for bed now, you two, whispered Mrs Hedgehog. It will be spring before you know it. Snuggle down and go to sleep. It was not too long before all the children were sound asleep, snuffling lightly as they dreamt about lovely things. Mrs Hedgehog smiled and hung up her son's running vest, running her paw over the material and tears sprung into her eyes. How proud she was of Harris, not only for coming first in the Christmas Day race, but also of his determination to succeed despite suffering a painful injury. She sighed, kissed their little noses and turned out the light. As she and Spike also fell asleep, peace and silence settled like a warm blanket over them until the darkness of winter would eventually turn into spring. Triumph had certainly overcome hardships for this little family, which just goes to show that there is always a way around difficult situations if you stay determined and strong of heart. So that was Harris the Hedgehog and the Christmas Day Run by A.V. Turner. And A.V. Turner joined us today, so welcome. Thank you, thank you for having me. Oh, it's lovely to talk to you again. So we've had Harris the Hedgehog and his running adventure, and now he's entered the Christmas Day Run. So what inspired you to write this story? Um, I think it was uh, the success of the first uh, Harris book, 
that uh, was quite overwhelming really and um, he developed his own little fan base really really quickly and uh, <laughs> I had so many requests for another one wow. because it was initially just going to be the first just one and uh, my editor Sue Miller said you know what you know you're gonna have to do another one and possibly another one after that <laughs> so um, I just had this this idea that uh, he could do a, a park run in the snow with his best friend you know um, so yeah that's that's uh, that's what uh, what happened with the, the Christmas Day run because they do, certain villages and towns do have Christmas Day runs, don't they? Away from the park run, they do it around the town. Is it something you enter into yourself? Yes. Um, the, we have locally, I think it's called a turkey trot. Yes, yeah. And you all wear your Santa outfits, do you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, great fun. Obviously, this year, you know, it's not going to happen. But, uh, but yeah, great fun. And that's, that's where I, I sort of thought, well... You know, um, David and Harris could both have little Santa outfits and, and yeah. uh, you know, yeah. It, it, it's it quite... is an adorable story. It's lovely. So oh, is, thank there, you. is there a real life Harris? There is. Yes, there is, there is a real life Harris. Yeah, he is uh, three years old at the end of January. Wow. And he's just become a dad. Wow, he's been busy. <laughs> <laughs> he has been busy. <laughs> oh, so how yeah. many babies did... Is it Hazel, if I remember rightly? Is it Hazel the Hazel mom? is the mum, yeah. She's a very good mum as well. Um, I think I can't uh, go into the nest at the moment. I have to wait about two to three weeks before I can have a look. But I yeah. think, I think we've got two in there. So I'm amazed that... So A.V. Turner, our author today, she has pets hedgehogs and I've never heard of that before well of course I have oh. I've heard of people having hedgehogs in the garden but I've never really heard of them breeding them or people buying them intentionally yeah. to keep it yeah a well these are um Harris and Hazel are African pygmy hedgehogs so they're much smaller than our native European hedgehog uh so yeah the, the, their habits are slightly different but uh yeah they make lovely pets so what advice would you give to any children out there or anybody who maybe comes across a hedgehog in their garden? What, what, what should they do? Um, if um, with the, uh, our native hedgehogs, if you see one during the day, then that's not a good sign. It generally means that that hedgehog is unwell. Right. So um, they should be sleeping during the day. Um, so, uh, I would say if it seems to be, uh, unwell or disorientated or anything like that, get it to a rescue center as soon as you can. The, the golden rule is never give them bread and milk because they're lactose intolerant and it will give them a very upset tummy. It makes, gives them tummy ache and, you know, and, and uh, that sort of thing. So um, yeah, get them to a rescue center. Only if you see it out during the day, if you see one out during the night, then that's fine. You can give them uh, some water, just plain water and some uh, uh, chicken-based uh, cat biscuits and they'll be as happy as Larry. Oh, good to know. You see, every day is a school day with you, A.V. I'm learning something every time I talk to you. It's amazing. I feel really, really clever. <laughs> uh. 
So how important then is the, well, you're clearly, you know, a lover of hedgehogs. So how important is the hedgehog population to you? I mean, is it dying out? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, it is, it's, yeah, it's very concerning that they are in decline, serious decline. I don't know. It's, it's, it's very, very sad. It saddens me greatly, I have to say, yeah. that, you know, one of our uh, native um, uh, species is you know is is dying out um i think us as as humans can do an awful lot to save the the population like having hedgehog houses in your garden yeah. uh, knowing what to feed them properly you know no bread and milk obviously uh you know a chicken based uh, cat food, fresh water, and you know, kids can also get involved with their parents by making um, their own hedgehog house. Okay. You know, so, is this which... on your Facebook pages then, Av? Because it is. Is this something they can go into your Facebook page and maybe learn how to build a hedgehog house? Well, do you know what? I hadn't thought of that until yeah. you see. It's a school day for me as well. School day, you see. Let's school get day. it done, and we'll all yeah. <laughs> we'll all build hedgehog houses in our gardens. Yeah. So that, yeah. yeah, no, I hadn't actually thought about that. So, um, yeah, that's a really good idea. I think I might do, yeah. um, uh, uh, you know, a little video on how to build your own yeah. hedgehog house. Um, I mean, the thing is also you can buy them uh, on um, the internet, you know, hedgehog houses. So we can do quite a lot as, as humans to, to help get the numbers back up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think it's really lovely that you are, in, you know, you love hedgehogs. Um, I mean, yeah. it's not something you come across all the time because obviously they're, they're nocturnal. They come out at night time. Uh, we yeah. have a house full of animals and we have foxes down the garden. So I would, would have thought it was a rare appearance for, for a fox to, to come in our garden. But I will certainly yeah. be making, I'll get my daughter involved and we will make a hedgehog house just in case. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Make have you, have you got any... Enough. um? Have you got um, uh, any gaps in your fences or anything where they could come and go? Yeah, yeah. Even better then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've got lots of ash trees, loads of ash trees down the garden. It's all quite open, so yeah, they can get in and out. Oh, uh, that's we do great. have foxes, but uh, but no, I quite like that idea. I love that idea. It's lovely. Oh, so as usual, it's been lovely talking to you, Av, and I've learned so much again. And um, for our listeners then, where can they buy, where can they buy these fabulous books about Harris and how can they get in touch with any questions? Um, they can buy the uh, books on Amazon or from me direct if they would like a signed copy. Um, and um, I'm on all social media sites, Instagram, um, Twitter and Facebook. Um, so yeah you'll find me on there and uh, if you want to dm me any questions about hedgehogs or running or whatever uh, yeah feel free and i'll get back to you within a couple of hours wonderful oh well we look forward to uh, listening to more books about harris and about your running adventures in the future lovely thanks for having me Bedtime Stories is sponsored by Team Author UK Independent Publishers. If you have a fabulous story to tell, get in touch as they excel at helping writers just like you. Visit their website at www.teamauthoruk.co.uk 
or on their social media platforms at Team Author UK.